We did it. We talked about the worst movie ever made, according to a lot of jokes in 1987. Jamie? So, yeah. Let's go watch Ishtar. Welcome to another episode of Good Times Great Movies, where an 80s movie podcast where every other week we watch a movie from the 80s and then we talk about it. I'm one of your two hosts. My name is Doug McCambridge and with me, as always, dressed as a boy, but not real shades of gentle in this movie. I'll flash in my boob to prove it, <laughs> to prove I'm a shades lady. Shades of gentle. I even think in the Yentl episode, I said, much like Ishtar, the only way you can show people that you're a woman is by flashing them. Oh, your name's Jamie Lorello. I didn't introduce you. We went off on some oh, weird that's tangent. Okay. I feel like I'm thrown because we already talked about this movie for 10 minutes and I'm exhausted. <laughs> oh, and if you didn't hear those 10 minutes, that's because you're not a patron. And also, if you didn't recommend this movie to us, it's because you're not a patron. Right. Right? This is a patron-suggested film by mm -hmm. the wonderful Laura, and thank you, Laura, for this. Uh, she hosts a podcast called Fatal Femmes, so check it out. Yeah. We, we were talking earlier. We're not sure why she recommended it, if she likes it. There was no reasoning given behind it, no, hey, this movie will blow your mm -hmm. minds, or this was a favorite of mine. There's no little nugget to attach to it. It was just thrown out yes. there. Like a CIA agent in the middle right. of the desert. It would not surprise me if Laura put <laughs> names on little pieces of paper of every movie made in the 80s into a hat and just pulled this out. So this movie is called Ishtar. It's yeah. from 87. It's directed by Ellen May and written by yeah. Ellen May. So I was excited. I thought her name was Elaine. Um, but you know Elaine. what? Elaine. Okay. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, it is. I, will, I will talk about Elaine May she directed the movie um, Heartbreak Kid, which is great. She directed other mm -hmm. films, which are fantastic. She wrote uh, The Birdcage. She wrote Primary Colors. Mm -hmm. This was the last movie she directed, and I feel bad for Elaine May. I feel bad because I'm not saying this wasn't her fault, because I everyone's at fault here. I am just going to come out and say it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're pointing all fingers in all directions. But I feel bad, and I will recommend one of her movies at the end of this when we give recommendations of movies you should right. see. Um, okay. I feel bad that she either wasn't given another chance to direct, or maybe she just felt so bad about what happened here that she didn't want to direct. I read a little bit, just like a little mm -hmm. bitty bit, sure. about how over budget this movie was and then how poorly it did do because of the over budgeting yes. and I could see where this was like yeah they kind of put the halts on her and yeah mm, yeah you do feel badly because again I see and again I'd love to hear Laura's thoughts I see little nuggets of moments where oh right. but nothing got off the ground well enough um, I do like when he's pretending to be the auctioneer I bet, I bet, oh, okay <laughs> And I know we're going to go through this movie beat by beat, as we always yeah. do. But yeah. there were certain scenes like that where 
there's a part of me that enjoyed that, but also because they're trying to play this straight in a weird way, like they should have mm-hmm. taken this. Like the thing during that scene that I thought is if this was in a Naked Gun movie and you had mm-hmm. Leslie Nielsen doing it, he would be crushing this scene. Yeah. But yes, everything yes, felt yes. a little too subdued. And I was yes. Like, if, yes. If, they weren't playing cartoon characters, which I feel like they should have been playing. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you said, Warren Beatty's supposed to be a big dummy, but he's not big dummy enough. He's still... No. Well, and what? How about his accent that, that goes in and out? <laughs> then disappears for long stretches, and then when they're in the desert, I was like, "He is from the deep, deep south now." Yeah, it's he brings so it in bizarre. and out, kind of channels it when he needs to. It that's really weird. He plays this sort of like you said, this kind of goofy, dummy kind of a guy, but he's still Warren Beatty. You know, it's you had mentioned this about. <clears throat> And I'll just keep referencing other movies that we've done. Sure. When we were doing, I think it was Santa Claus, where you were like, there's just too much yeah. going on. Like, pick one and go with it. That's kind of how I felt with this. Like, it would have been just fine enough to watch these two struggling singer-songwriter yes. guys. Like, I was, the like you said, the first 30 minutes where we're in the city and these two kind of meet, it was like this goofy, um, it was just... It, I could follow that and I could see where even where they're making up their fun songs together but then they get transferred to Morocco and I could even maybe follow that where maybe they've got this weird but now there's when when they go play in that club even in Morocco and and Dustin Hoffman comes in and sort of saves the day by singing that's a more I was like okay let's just can't we just keep doing this? Like, can't we? Yeah. Let's just uh, let's forget a map. I don't. The moment we went to archaeologists, yeah. was I was like, yes. I, I, I know what's going to happen, and I don't want this to happen in this movie. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But well, this movie also suffers from something that I feel like a lot of '80s comedies. I don't know if I'm just you know referencing the decade of movies we always talk about but even something like Stripes which I don't think is 80s I think it's like 79 like Stripes Mm. is so hilarious and then for some reason near the end they're like well we have to tack on some weird military thing and they have to start shooting guns and setting off bombs and it's terrible and even something like Spies Like Us suddenly has to have, I know they're spies, but it's Chevy Chase and it's Dan Aykroyd. It's kind of funny when they're interacting, but they're like, no, now we have to have a whole terrorist plot. and Right, we have to bring the Russian. Yeah. I just don't get it. And somebody said this once, and I'm going to say I heard it on a podcast. I don't want to take credit for something that I didn't, you know, come up with or my idea. So I'll just say something, somebody else said this. This movie very early on feels like something that, like, Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig would do now. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. It's so forward thinking and just like, I don't know, let them riff and let them just sing yes. terribly. And let them let them stumble through their career. And let's watch that. And I would right. have been but now we have to add, and maybe it is a, an eighties movie thing where then you had to add in like the the CIA. We don't and need to get the, involved with for as much as I love Charles Grodin. I know you loved it when he came on screen, and he did do a fine job. Because I was like, who's this American dude who's just like, 
buying him dinner and all that. I was like, yeah. this is great. I'm sure Dustin Hoffman can take advantage of this idiot. I'm like, oh, no, it's the CIA. Oh, no, terrorists. This is yes. awful. Yes, where are we going with this? Where And I, maybe that was a product of the 80s and all that we had going on culturally and, and internationally. And so they felt that yeah. they had to. It wasn't just enough to make a... Like a because I liked it. They were a Simon and Garfunkel. What are their names? Rogers and Clark. I so they're Warren Beatty and uh, Dustin Hoffman. I, yeah, I that's can't, what I have Beatty I and could Hoffman not throughout. Keep track of their names in I, this and well, I do like at one point. Um, Hoffman um, says that they call him Hawk sometimes. So every now and then, Warren Beatty will call Dustin Hoffman Hawk. Come on, Hawk, get in the game. Come on, Hawk. And I found that kind did of Did you fun. wish that you were watching Over the Top? Because I did. I did. It did give me some. I was like, Hawk, like in Over the Top. I was like, like where's your truck? oh, truck driving singers? Yeah. Yes. Let's do that. Yeah, exactly. Let's tour. Let's now we have to do our own touring. And how does that work for these two fools? I also have so many questions about this agent they get and how this guy's like, "You're super terrible. I'll book you in Morocco." I don't. I don't understand most of this movie. This movie should Same. not have been one where at the end I went, "I don't know what just happened." For long stretches, I was like. I don't know what's going on in this movie. I've got question marks, like bold question marks. In it. But like you said, the beginning, not so much. The beginning, no. we meet these two. Um, well, first, don't we first see them together and then we get a flashback of how they got together, right? We see them together writing music. That unnecessary <laughs> flashback. When they are in the bar and suddenly I was like, oh no, oh. <laughs> is this their origin story? Now I have to sit yeah. through this. Yeah, yeah. Pretty great. Pretty it was great. crazy. And, yeah. And at that point when I was like, oh, flashbacks, I was... Early on. Yeah, yeah. I was still into it. And I was like, are we going to see the lives? Is this going to be like little Dustin Hoffman as a kid, like singing yes, for his parents? Yes, are we going to hear all the... Mm-hmm, no. How music inspired him? There, what? There's something funny about the fact that the bartender even says like, oh, you guys know each other. He's like, well, yeah. We used to be a group. And the, and the bartender's like, oh, have I heard of you? He's like, no, but uh, we only met five months ago. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's kind of funny. So this flashback is from five months ago. Yes, because in this short five months, which is great kind of how they met. Oh, and their fashion choices are pretty great. They wear a lot of headbands. <laughs> like the, that's their gimmick is just black and white checked headbands. I thought it was kind of funny. Well, at the end, it's the red sequence because they moved on up. They're They're playing some big Moroccan clubs. but um, Well, the movie, how, the movie so, yeah, opens the, with just... You get a lot of montages in this, and I, I enjoyed the singing montages. Like, j- them just rhyming nonsense, because that's yes. what it is. And it felt to me like the director, Elaine May, was like, just go, just riff, and then, you know what, we'll cut it together, and we'll pick out the best bits. But it almost felt like they used everything. Like, they used oh, everything yeah. these well, two did. Well, they repeated. There was the one song about the accordion player that, that was their, I guess, their hit song or whatever, because they played that. They did that <laughs> one quite a bit. It's a song but about yeah, telling the truth. If yes. you play the accordion, you won't be in a rock and roll band. And there were so many times in the early part of this movie where the lyrics would be so dumb, and Dustin mm-hmm. Hoffman would just say something like, that's a great rhyme or like yeah. you're really on fire and I was like, this is awful and it's funny like we still don't know the personalities of these characters they're just these two great quote-unquote actors 
trying to be funny and it's kind of working. Yeah, yeah. Again, we're only two minutes into the movie, but it's right. kind in the of be- working. But in the beginning, you're like, all oh, right. Yep. And you see they, they want to be like, they want to, to have a bigger career. They get this agent there. Again, you see this mock Simon and Garfunkel thing happening, which I thought was probably very timely. Probably, I'm, when was Simon and Garfunkel big, right? In the early 80s? Or was that when they separated? And Well, that's the thing is they keep referencing Simon and Garfunkel. But when they're standing outside that, I don't know, music shop or something. Oh, no, it wasn't the 80s. What am I saying? Right. They're yeah. looking at it. Yeah. And Dustin Hoffman's like, Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits on CD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you see well, these that, were like. By the 80s, they were done. Simon was doing his own thing. Right. Yeah, like there's something from Bruce Springsteen. That they constantly refer to Bruce Springsteen. I'm like, that's not. It's like this movie was written 25 years ago and finally got made. And they went, nah, we'll just keep the... Uh, we'll just as, keep it. As that we'll type just keep of group. That. Yeah, yeah. So as you said, we get we get to see them sort of writing music together. Oh, wait, do so you have a pencil? Where's your yep. pencil? Do you have a pencil? <laughs> Write it down. They play a gig... Um, and they get an agent to come see them at the gig. They appear to be playing like an open mic night. Yes. It's terrible. Yes. Like in every, oh, horrible. In every scene that they're playing, the audience always looks shocked, like overly shocked to where like, yes. you probably heard a bunch of bad people before these two guys showed up at an open mic. And after the open mic, though, the next place they're at, it almost just seems like it's karaoke because they're not playing instruments then at that point. And that's the where, where the, the agent is. And the agent tells them, now they want to be songwriters. They they sing their own songs because they have to. But the agent tells them that they should do covers instead, that they would be more audience friendly if they would just do covers. And this is what breaks them, right? This is what kind of sends them into the, the sad walk to the bar. Yeah, because it, here's the thing about the agent. The agent says, listen, I can book you guys in mm-hmm. either Honduras for seventy five dollars mm-hmm. a week or ninety five dollars a week in Morocco. In Morocco, right. Either seventy five dollars a week or ninety five dollars a week split two ways is pretty yeah. bad. And they're they're upset about this at first. Eventually they're gonna take it, but they're they're upset and like I said, they go they I love it because Dustin Hoffman's going for a walk and he's kind of like, will you leave me alone? Like to, to Warren Beatty, like, well, can you just give me space? And Warren Beatty's like, well, there's only one bar in the neighborhood. <laughs> it's the only, so we have to... it's the only yeah. bar that's open. <laughs> you see that um, Dustin's character is the more um, grounded one, I guess you could say. He's telling him what to order, what not to order. He tells him, you don't want beer or you don't want this drink. It gives you whatever, right. have a beer. And then, like you said, the the bartender asks how they know each other and we go through a sweet little walk down memory lane where we see Dustin starts his career singing at an Italian restaurant. Yes. His, like, story where he started, let's say, five months ago and where he is now makes makes way more sense than Warren Beatty. Oh, yeah. What is Warren Beatty doing? Just delivering ice cream? He's an ice cream truck. But not stopping. (laughs) He's just singing songs. And just singing. Kids are running by him. Go stop the truck. And he just keeps going. Yeah. And again, he would they give him an accent for certain parts of this movie? <laughs> yep. And they and he even says at one point when I wanted a piece of music, it was either Nashville or or New York City, and I went to New York City, and I'm like, but what? Give us it then, like then. I thought his flashback should include like maybe him leaving the farm. Yes. You know what I mean? Or, or milking a cow and singing if they right. were going to give him that southern or singing but like country said, music or something. Yes. 
No, but they have him, like you said, driving an ice cream truck, ch- children chasing it. It looks like he's driving an ice cream truck in the 1940s, too. Like yes. yes. It looks like it should be horse-drawn. Yes. <laughs> his, I don't remember his ice cream song, but I do know that uh, Dustin's, uh, um, he's mostly doing covers at an Italian restaurant, yes. and then he sings a song for this couple <laughs> that has come to this restaurant every year for their anniversary. It's an older couple, and the song is called Love in My Will, in and it's basically will. about like how these, this couple is so old, and one of them is about to die, so they write, they, I'm going to write about for you in my will. Yeah. He's obviously not a good song No, writer. no, 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 not uh, at all. Yeah. But it's, it's, again, the same joke. Like, these are bad yes. lyrics, he's a bad songwriter, and I was, I was still, even though it's a weird flashback... I was still on board at this point in the movie. No, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And this is when we see Carol Kane as a supportive girlfriend. To I was Dustin so Hoffman. excited when Carol Kane yes, popped up in this same movie. Here. It's like, I mm-hmm. can't wait to. Oh, wait, she's gone. All right. Um, yeah. Well, that's disheartening. Well, I guess there's that. Well, what's interesting is so Carol Kane is clearly a very supportive girlfriend, even though these lyrics are terrible. And even though um, he plays at a restaurant where like the waiter's banging into him with the trays <laughs> of forks and knives. Right. She is, it lists, she comes and she listens and there she's out to dinner i think she's out to dinner with dustin it appears that he had just played this song for these old people yes now they're sitting down eating warren Beatty's character sends a note to the table that's basically just saying um i thought your song was great (laughs) (laughs) dustin's like oh my god this guy wrote me a note i gotta go seek him out and when he turns around and looks you see Warren Beatty dressed like a clown. Like, I don't know what he's wearing. And he's waving his arms, like flailing around like a maniac. And I was like, this is red flags everywhere. If you were if you were a normal person, Dustin Hoffman, you would see that you don't want to be mixed up with this guy. Uh-huh. But he even gets up from the table and is like, Carol Kane, I got to go. That guy yeah, said he'd buy me a drink. Music. I guess yeah. I'll see you later. Yep. And now their friendship starts and they begin to write bad songs together and it's a lot of eating. It's a montage of them like eating apples and celery sticks and writing these bad songs. Also, they're bad songs. And like, I feel like every bad song sounds like a jingle. Like, these guys mm-hmm. should, that's what they should be writing are just jingles. Yeah. yeah. The, oh, I wrote down a few of their lyrics throughout when they were really oh, good. Oh, great. This one, <laughs> like the one where it says, the sound of a lawnmower touches my heart. <laughs> This is crazy. And the fact that there's this song where he goes, there's a wardrobe of love in my eyes. Come see if there's something your size. And I think that's what Dustin Almond's like, you are on fire today, man. These are great. Yeah, if uh, that was smart to do because there was moments when the lyrics I would be like, "Oh, these are goofy." They were fun. legitimately yeah. funny, and and I don't know how much of this they're not really known for being comedic actors, so I don't know how much of this is just them ad libbing or how much is just written down. The but, real writing, yeah. Yeah, when it's just for as much as I want Carol Kane to be in this movie throughout the movie. When it's just the two of them singing, like I would gladly watch this film with everything else cut out, but just them. It would be like just ten minutes, but I'd be so yeah, happy yeah. to watch that. You'd be you'd be glad to be there for that. I do like uh, what's the schmuck thing where he's teaching him how to say schmuck and Warren Beatty <laughs> can't Beatty say just schmuck. Keeps saying schmuck. schmuck. And he's, he's even it's like talking to a baby when he's like say shh. 
and then say muck. <laughs> now put them together, and he still says smuck. Like a smuck. See, that was kind of fun. Yeah. That was a fun moment. Well, that's after... That's after Warren Beatty's wife leaves him. Oh, that's right. And yeah, it's not his girlfriend, right? It's his wife that, and she's she seemed disinterested the whole time, and I don't even know who. No, she didn't want anything to do with this. No, dude. Mm-mm. And yeah, he's devastated. He's crying on the phone when 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 she leaves him. Yeah, and that's when the word schmuck comes into play. And then they go out to meet more ladies at a club, and Dustin Hoffman is the. The ladies' man, I guess you could say. So, it's so bizarre. Uh-huh. Like we had talked about earlier, they're playing like opposing characters because you could have mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman play the dumb, weird idiot fine, mm-hmm. and you could have Warren Beatty play the ladies' man. But they're both kind of incompetent, but just in very different ways. Yeah. And it's just funny to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to walk into a bar and ladies are going to flock to Dustin Hoffman. Over Warren Beatty, but Warren Beatty, what they do to make him look like a schlub is they pile all the clothes in the world on top of him. <laughs> he appears to be wearing like five jackets Just and layers. two hats. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. He does look like a crazy person. Yes, but it, I, I don't know. They're not. They're not playing characters that make any sense. Mm-mm-mm. There's something just missing. There's just something. Yeah, which maybe is what they intended was for there to be a lack of, not over the top. And maybe it was that they were casted in the opposite, and then they said, you know what, let's switch it up. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, there's a lot of things I don't know after watching I don't this. know. Beatty's wife leaves him, but now Carol Kane exits too because she just can't take all of this anymore. This is It's just had been enough. And now we have Dustin's breakdown, which is... He calls, he calls Beatty, and he's like, I'm just I'm just not – he's upset, he's crying, yeah. and he's sitting on his little window ledge, and he tells Beatty, don't tell anyone about it, but I think he tells him, like, come over, I'm just not doing well. Sure enough, the cops he, show up. He specifically says, do not call the police. And I like how after the cops show up and after his parents show up, finally Warren Beatty's A like – A rabbi the, shows yeah, up? Warren Beatty's like the last one here, and he's like, I thought I would make it in time. I had to call yeah. some other people. And Dustin is now out on the ledge, the only one to pull him back in. This is right. where we see how close their friendship is, is Beatty. Beatty goes out and um, – Dustin Hoffman's character goes through this a couple of times. He does it again, I think maybe when they first get to the, um, when he gives up his passport and everything and they first get to Morocco and then later when they're in the desert, he has these moments where he's like, my life is really crappy. I'm not who you think I am. I lived with my parents till I was 30. I'm not married. I don't have kids. Like he has these moments where he's really down and these um, moments of like clarity, like I am a loser and I love (laughs) He even says stuff like, I am a loser. I am not who you think I am. And Warren Bay's response every time yeah. is like, no, you're who I think you are. Like, <laughs> Well, I love it. His like inspiration is, is like, yeah, you're a horrible guy, but this is your life. <laughs> and that's great that you're living it. Like you might be all these things and made all these bad choices, but it's you. I have the line written down, which is great. Oh, yeah, please. When he says, it takes a lot of nerve to have nothing at your age. And it's... <laughs> It's actually funny, but yes, it's a funny line in a point in this movie where 
Dustin Hoffman is going to commit suicide. And it's like, this isn't funny. Like, this is, I'm not having fun with this movie at this point now because there's something interesting about how they're sitting at this bar before this flashback and it's kind of mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, you guys really destroyed each other's lives. <laughs> like, you two became these codependent like losers. Like, they are so yeah. dependent yeah. upon one another now. And all they're doing is dragging each other down. Right. Everything else falls to the wayside. But that's why they realize all they have is this trip to Morocco. This, right. This possible gig that could lead that is going to lift their lives back up. Right. Yeah. Which um, is very strange because this movie makes it appear as though no matter how bad a musician you are, you can go somewhere and land a gig. And get a gig. And they'll listen and they'll clap and you'll have a wardrobe and get to play multiple songs. Yeah, people will yell. One. Old people in Morocco will yell for an encore They'll after just it. listening They'll to some it. cover songs. <laughs> well, all right, so now we've got the flashback ends. We get to know who these two guys are. And now there's, like you said, there's some archaeologists, and we're in Ishtar near the Moroccan border. Know. And um, I don't. I either wanted more of this to really understand how important this map was. Although we keep hearing that this map is so important because without it, Morocco is dead. What? I, Go ahead. I, I thought we were in a mummy movie for a few minutes. Like I was like, what yes, is happening? They're yes. excavating this big dig, and they're like, yeah, we've found Ishtar. And I was like, I thought we were in Ishtar. I, yes, yes. It's. I will try and explain this in as clear and concise a way as I can, because it's, okay, it's please, a big, cause I was confused. It's a big bag of who cares. You probably weren't confused. And I don't, I mean, you were just like I was, but I don't know if this is going to help you. Basically it's an old map that says that two messengers of God will be sent to overthrow the current regime in Either Morocco or Ishtar. So is it a like, uh, like a um, mistaken identity where they think that these two are those messengers from God? Yes, it's. But it's never fully played out that way because everybody wants to kill them, right, and just get the map. Yes, everybody wants to kill them, and and everybody seems so concerned that they're going to figure out. I guess the people are going to figure out that these are the messengers of God, but. We don't get people sitting around talking about this. All we get is the CIA and the current yes. regime. Like, when they're yes. running through the marketplace, it's not like people are like, hey, I heard some rumors that those two are the messengers. Right. Like, none right. of that comes right. into play. So or I, that they even look like it. Like, they're statues. Of, like, that would have been help, not helpful, Oh, my but God, something. a giant Warren if Beatty like, statue. Yes. <laughs> or their, like, their but, likenesses drawn on this map. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then you see, like, oh, well, that's why. How ironic that these two, like, again, you add another layer of a little humor in there, another clarity for some of us <laughs> that needed it. Um, but to have them look maybe like these two messengers of God. Yeah, and also to just be like, oh yeah, it'll be these two, I don't know, white saviors or whatever's supposed to be happening in this movie. I'm like, are there or no other singers? tourists? Like, they, yes. People are coming and going all the time. Why do they think it's these two? I mean, eventually right. we find out that they do have the map, but they're not going to know what that map is. They, they look at it late in this movie and go, this is a map of, I guess, where yeah. we are. And I'm like, why did you think that? Well, and then they put it together, but he never thought to look inside that jacket or anything like that. Well, so they get, they... 
this movie at this moment goes off the rails and becomes a different movie for yes basically the entirety and of the film stuff starts yeah. happening to just move it forward but doesn't necessarily make sense when it happens like they so they get to the airport now in Morocco i guess and the I, know, I guess what's what's this girl's name who is dressed Listen, i i really like she's a she's a foreign actress her name is isabella johnny and she's in really great things and mm-hmm. it was it was never one of those things where i was like this is just sad to see her this way and also mm. she's i guess playing someone from north africa but she does not look like no, no she's got these big bright blue yes. eyes that's why <laughs> later on i was like couldn't they have had carol kane play this it's as unrealistic yes. and as crazy but or even the two girls in the bar that they try to pick up earlier <laughs> both of those were dark-haired women right. with olive complexions <laughs> would have worked much better yes. in this role but i would want to watch carol kane sitting around with a bunch of terrorists like passing her guns and yes. stuff and she could just yes. riff and it would have been way more hilarious than bringing in a prestigious actress just like these two but having her kind of play this role straight and nothing fun is given to Mm-mm. her to do it, it's so bizarre. And the fact that, just like Barbara Streisand, the fact that everybody thinks she's a boy. <laughs> yeah, even though she's got this these lovely lashes and these beautiful lips yes. that she takes down. Yeah, yeah. With yes. The amount of copying a feel that Warren Beatty does. Oh, at one point, Beatty's just holding her breast. He's just holding her breast, and he even says, are those breasts? Yes. Is that a breast? They're- it's so, like, in their reaction when they find out that she's a woman. Because even after that, I think Warren Beatty still thinks it was a boy. Like, I'm so yeah. confused. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he hits her in the mouth and doesn't apologize for it once he realizes yeah. it's a girl. I, um, but, yeah, so she she approaches them straight when they get off the flight. Yes. She approaches Dustin Hoffman. It's just Dustin Hoffman. That's important to note is that Warren Beatty went somewhere to buy a ridiculous hat or whatever yeah, he comes he's, back. He's off to buy some, add some more layers to his wardrobe. Right? It's like, I know um, it's a very hot climate, but I'm wearing yeah. very little clothing and I'm starting to look like a hunky dude. I got to layer this the stuff. The more, the better. Um, and I, so when she first approaches, there's this whole bit because Dustin Hoffman's like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not into you could be into that, but I'm not into that. Like this whole thing about not being gay, but being okay with being gay, but it's just not his thing. This this movie, first of all, for a bunch of <clears throat> white people playing Arabs or whatever's happening, this movie's not yeah. quite as offensive as I would have thought it would sure. be. Yeah, yeah. And I was really like, this is so progressive. The way they both act about thinking that this is a guy. Warren Beatty lets this boy kiss him for a very long time <laughs> like an extremely long time before he's like nope that's not gonna work out like, like, this and is like, crazy like in yentl he's like are you still going through puberty i mean your voice hasn't even changed no, What's actually happening? uh those were questions that were not asked in yentl no, they, they were the questions you were asking during yentl yes yeah she, he's he goes on this long dustin hoffman goes on this little long falling over himself monologue about it being okay to be gay but he's not gay and yada yada and then she just flashes her boob yep. and she's like no this is who i am then he introduces himself as the hawk because i guess that's more right. well that's cooler once you yes. see boobs you're like uh no sorry that's not my real name you yeah. know you're suddenly on board i do like how again he still thinks she's a boy 
She right. lifts up her shirt, shows him one boob, and he goes, look what you have there. <laughs> It is such a hilarious like line delivery. I thought it was really funny. So she oh. basically she, she trades she gives him all her crap to put in his suitcase. Right. And they to get his Yes. Passport, to get his right? passport and also trade jackets with him. Yes. Which, for most of this movie, I was like, why did they trade jackets? That doesn't make any sense. Well, then we but I do that, think yeah. it's funny because then War Bumbling Warren Beatty stumbles into the scene right after this and goes, hey, you bought a new jacket. I kind of <laughs> like the way that looks on you. And she also convinces them that it'll be easy to get a new passport. You just go to the embassy. It's not a big deal. Yeah, right. not a big deal. And... Then they realize when they go to the embassy, this is not going to happen for them. And Dustin Hoffman's performance, the way he flies into a quote-unquote rage question mark and the fact that he can't get uh -huh. and he punches a hole uh -huh. in the wall, which I kind of thought was funny because you see the guy on the other end like <laughs> trying to put the pieces of drywall back in. I was like, is he acting like this is really upsetting to him? I, it's so strange because then he goes, listen... We have a gig. I can't go. You go. You, yes. you just do yes. this alone. You play it. He even mm -hmm. says, like, you're so talented. Like, you can yes. do this. It's So he goes to a hotel somewhere. Like Dustin does. Yeah, Dustin gets a hotel room. Where is any of this taking place? Because I thought he didn't mm -hmm. have a passport. I thought he wasn't allowed there. He appears to be next door to this club. Like, I... I'm so confused by this movie. I know, confusing. Well, now you get even more confusing because Charles Grodin shows up at this hotel as well, happy to see another American there, makes some right. conversation with Dustin Hoffman. Asks for his autograph, which and I thought was really eating? funny. What are they eating when they're eating and they're just eating? <laughs> with eating with his hands. <laughs> and the whole time Dustin Hoffman's like, yeah, I'm part of a musical group. We're pretty big. Like, we're a not to brag, but we're a pretty big deal. And and Dustin Hoffman asks for his autograph and then says, like, oh, you can keep that pen. Like, that's totally cool. And this is the yeah. point in the movie where I was like, well, Dustin Hoffman knows he's not famous. Or, or sorry, uh, Charles Grodin knows he's not famous, no, right? right? Like, right. this is pretty clear. Charles Grodin talks about how he is a CIA agent. Mm -hmm. And he's in the country and uh, he recruits other Americans, which, first of all, is a bad idea, like, don't you want to recruit the locals? Like, people that aren't going to stick out? Like, this idiot with wraparound sunglasses and star-spangled bandana? headband, right? yeah. But he's like, listen, I recruit uh, Americans uh, to kind of be spies or something. And I think he says, For like... a pretty decent yeah. amount. Yeah, yeah, it's like $150, something like mm -hmm. that. And... Mm -hmm. You know, after Dustin Hoffman talked about what a huge celebrity he is, he's like, well, it's a good place to get started, so maybe I'd be interested in this. Yeah. It's so weird. I, oh God, this movie makes no sense. But we don't even know exactly what he's to do. We just know that. I, I don't. Because he's not really to do anything, right. I guess. I don't he's know what instructions he's really given. Really being used. I think because they end up wanting to kill him in the end, kill both of them. So I think they were just being used as tools. And they just needed to find these two, it's like scapegoats, I guess, to to use in. Yeah, but but also. The, uh, 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 yeah, I, it appears that everyone's after this map. 
but for what reasons I don't understand. And this could be, honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to say this is 75% the movie's fault and 25% my fault for not understanding geopolitical blah, 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 <laughs> whatever. Like there's a chance I'm that with you. there's a I'm chance somebody you. watches this movie is like, well, of course the Middle East at the time was blah, blah, blah. Sorry. I no, yeah, I have no idea. That's not my bag. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, that's, I have no knowledge of that. My, yeah. <laughs> and if I was supposed to, then you needed to give me that in a brief summary in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, once Charles Grodin's trying to kill them, I'm like, I guess he's just sick of them because I get it. Yeah. I would be too. Yeah, he's just had enough. They're not working out. So this is what they're dunsies now. So after he makes a deal with Grodin, Hoffman now shows up at Beatty's show, right? Beatty was told to go on without without him. Beatty is really shows tanking, which I think is hilarious because Beatty shows yes. up and he's like, all right, everybody from the crowd, uh, I'm going to play some Simon and Garfunkel songs here for you. So just yell out your favorites and people are just yelling, that's Amore and YMCA. Yeah. <laughs> and he's even like, well, I'll just sing a Simon and Garfunkel song here. Yeah. And he's doing a terrible job. But as mm -hmm. you said, Dustin Hoffman shows up singing that's amore and saves the day and this is there i hit oh yeah oh they go they sing no business like show business and the strangers in the night there's a whole montage of them and it's pretty fun when they sing back to back and with their different instruments and they use the mic and he almost trips uh, hoffman almost trips Beatty with the mic and it's a whole oh when he's constantly like, hitting the microphone against yeah. the microphone stand when he's turning i thought it was funny and also i don't think they play up their height difference at all As, in um, this I, yeah but yeah when Warren Beatty's sitting playing the piano and Dustin Hoffman walks up behind him and he's still shorter than him. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but they, like you said, there, there's everyone in the audience sings along. Yeah. They get a standing ovation and they, they're loved, right? They, they, they're adored. Mm -hmm. There was something about this performance that made me think of our good buddy, Jeff Goldblum and made me think that was so bad. Like, it was just like this, where I was like, this is a disaster. He just has songbooks. He's just, like, rivaling through songbooks for getting lyrics and bebobadooping his way through a song. I was like, I understand why this is such a hit. Why, why this so is so entertaining. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it is. It is. I could see yeah. where... Now, put Goldblum in here. A whole different movie. Okay, focus. And this is just one example of this, is that this movie has so many unnecessary scenes. And I don't know why this one really stuck out to me, but after their show, they sit inside mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Dustin Hoffman says to Warren Beatty, he's like, I am so jazzed up about this. Like I am mm -hmm. losing my mind. I'm on a high. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go out. I'm going to go for a drive and I'm just going to come down. Suddenly we see a shot of the outside of the club of him walking out and getting in his car and starting it up. And driving away, I was like, that is so unnecessary. Like, you, why did you explain what you were going to do? That we had to watch and what you were going to do. Yeah. And then it's a cut to him meeting with Charles Grodin. I'm like, that could have been, like, you did yeah, you not need that. you didn't have to that. do. It was too much. It was. It was a step too far. Because a lot of this movie is Charles Grodin mumbling exposition. <laughs> I'm like, I guess you're telling me what's happening, but you seem so disinterested that why should I care? Oh, now we have the, the there's a man in a dark cloak coming into oh. the room and getting a suitcase. Really, it's 
It's Isabella Johnny. Actress. Yes. Sneaking in. And now, but now she meets Beatty's mm-hmm. character, who, like you said, again, uh, mistakes her for a boy. She kisses him to prove that she's not. He's still like, little boy, you must be confused. (laughs) (laughs) His conversation, again, exposition goes on forever. When she's talking, she's like, at the airport, your friend and I, he took my jacket. And we're baby. Like, why were these lines of dialogue written? He goes, no, no, no. He bought that jacket. Yeah. And she goes, then why am I wearing his jacket? And he's like, it is his jacket. I'm like, what is <laughs> happening right now? Why am I watching these two characters talk about something that I already saw happen forever well, again, ago? Beatty's a big old dum-dum. His character's a big old dum-dum. So it's taken him a minute to just catch up to speed. I'm already lost. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why any of this is happening. And she's trying to explain to him that her his buddy is working for the CIA. Right. Which... He still is. Um, Which also, I'm like, how do you know that? Yeah. How, how do you, yeah. How, how did you right? get in on that? Mm-hmm. How did you know that? It, for all you know, he's working for you. Yeah. He brought yeah. your stuff to this hotel room. You made this trade. Right. Exactly. And also without a passport, how did you think he was going to get to where he is now so that you can right. get the stuff that you need? None of it makes sense. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know that we're supposed to know, the amount but I of, definitely don't know. And, and we only do video podcasts for the patrons. Uh, the amount of me staring at you through this and you just shrugging your shoulders. And I know on my end, I'm shaking my head a lot. Like, that is all we've been doing since we've gotten to Morocco. Yes, that is Ishtar. This map is a big deal, though, because it's kind of the like what she's looking for and what the government's looking for. And now Charles Grodin explains that. Right to Dustin Hoffman like there's a yes. missing map he talks into his watch I don't know what that's all about but he pulls a, so, <laughs> like an inspector gadget moment where he talks into his watch um, Grodin does um, there is there's a funny line here I thought because Charles Grodin's talking about this girl that he met at the airport and he's like listen oh, yeah. she's a terrorist and now she's using your friend again how he knows mm-hmm. this I have no idea because this I is happening know. simultaneously he's yeah. like she's using your friend we saw her going to the room she came out she was all disheveled and everything she's probably oh, right, sleeping right, right, with right. him and stuff yeah. and <laughs> I like this exchange here because Dustin Hoffman he goes she's not that kind of girl and Charles Gordon goes she's a terrorist and he goes <laughs> but that doesn't mean she sleeps around yeah, <laughs> yeah I did like that I did like that. Dustin kind of defends her. Um, yeah. And, and this <laughs> is where I was kind of worried, and I don't know if this is what the movie... This is how confused I was. I'm going to tell yeah. you what I thought the movie would turn into for a very long time, and you can tell me if it actually did, because I don't know. Okay. I was afraid at this point the movie would just be the two of them sneaking around, working for different organizations yeah all while trying not to let the other one know that they know yes. that they're yeah. I was like I'm not ready for this movie I don't want that kind of did happen because when they're in the desert later and they say like I got who gave you the water I don't remember yeah why are they still the giving this camel? a secret I don't remember I was, they say yeah, and I'm, they both that's a fine enough answer for them okay yes. I don't remember and I'm like two well, days ago what? you guys were both getting shot at in a marketplace why are you still yeah. being so secretive well, that's so now they go to the marketplace. What is this thing? This is when Dustin or when, um, oh no, not yet. The baby doesn't buy the camel yet, right? Oh, God. First they get that, shot that, out at the that, marketplace. 
That camel that could have been an SNL sketch that would last way too long in a 30-second <laughs> yeah. SNL sketch goes yeah. on forever. Yeah, the whole camel bit is, is something else. Why does he buy a blind camel? Do I, I she says something to him. That's She says, before she leaves him in the hotel room, she says... What I need you to do, because they, you know, that's what they do. And he's right. like, "What you're gonna do next is meet me over here." Like when Groden says, "You know, you're gonna go right. to the oasis and go in the night." She says, "You're gonna go meet a man at the marketplace, and you're gonna ask him for a blind camel, and he'll know what you mean." And I think, he, but now he really buys this blind camel. But that didn't happen yet. I think we're a bit ahead of ourselves. No, um, this is around that. Oh, uh, you might be. Yeah, well, first yeah, you're they a little get bit shot ahead, at, but at the yeah. I, I, okay, so anyway, so they go to a marketplace, and I like how they're being tailed by the most suspicious people possible. Oh, yes. It's so obvious that these people are following. It's like a crew of, like, six different guys that are basically falling over each and other. And also, some have them. their heads wrapped up like they're locals, and others are clearly CIA yes, agents. Yes, Other guys mm-hmm. look like they're generic, like... Uh, like tourists. American tourists. And, like... Yeah. Are they being followed by terrorists and the CIA and All of it. question mark person? Like did you know? Well, like that, you said, it's the two groups that are right, but using they're both, them and following. But they're following them together, almost like they're working yeah. together. And I just yeah. I didn't know what was going on. Did you notice that one of the CIA agents was Max Hedrum? I thought that was pretty great. Oh no, I didn't. <laughs> that is pretty great. But this is we we've made it very clear at this point in the movie, we don't know what's going on. No. This becomes very confusing now. Cause well, then there's a leader thrown in. The, oh, the... God. The le- yeah. <laughs> so they're being shot at at this market. An unnecessary amount of people are dying, which I was so yeah. surprised by. I was like, yeah. there's all these innocent people being shot, and I guess I'm supposed <laughs> to think this is hilarious. So oh, Again, I, shrugging. I shrugging. talked about unnecessary scenes. Mm-hmm. They run into this rug store because some kid... Oh, right, right. So yeah. the kid's like, I'm your best friend or whatever. Come with me. My father owns a rug store. So yeah. they go in, and it's a bit that should have been hilarious because the CIA agents run in, and there's these two giant rolled-up rugs, and they just take them. But then we find out that Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty aren't in there. The guy who owns the store literally says, come, my friends. When they find out that you're not in these rugs, they may come back. Then again, we watch the whole thing happen. We watch them go through the rugs, realize they're not there, turn around, go back to the store. It's, oh, the whole, this whole movie's unnecessary. <laughs> but you're right now, Charles Grodin is talking to the leader of Ishtar? Morocco? <laughs> Morocco? I don't know. He's a, he's a foreign leader. A powerful foreign leader yes. who wants the map as well. Right. And has the government working for the U.S. CIA government working for him. Yes. For some reason. And this um, is where he convinces somehow Charles Grodin to kill Dustin Hoffman and Warren yes. Beatty. Now, this is when Beatty does indeed buy his blind camel and a whole bunch of other things. He buys some... He has to. <laughs> he is dressed. Warren Beatty is dressed to the nines, not to the nines, but he's in he's in all like local garb. Yes. Well, it's just funny. He doesn't know how to do a head wrap on himself, so he's Dustin. Basically, is like, 
meets up with them and they've got this blind camel and the camel is just kind of wandering like you said it's like an SNL sketch where it's a blind camel so it's just bumping into it's things funny. making all kinds of noises uh, Beatty keeps going don't pull on his thing he's got bad teeth she's got bad teeth you can't pull on him funny um, and, and nothing then, is questioned either because it's just no. like why did you buy this blind camel and Dustin Hoffman's like oh that lady that I thought was a little boy told me to buy it and, and like yeah. we'll figure it all out Okay, great. And the joke is every person they meet is like, is that camel blind? And they yeah, go, Yeah, this is a blind yes. camel. And the camel does have, I don't know if they put contacts in the camel or they got an actual blind camel, but he's got like the blue, like the yes. like blind eyes. Yeah. If I find out that they blinded a camel for a role in this terrible movie, I'm going to be so mad because it wasn't worth it. Well, Dustin takes hold of the camel and sends um, sends Beatty off to kind of get his garb on right. He's like, you need to cover up yeah. appropriately, go over there and, and get yourself situated. And while he's with the camel, he is approached by, um, by Groden, right? Or is there? Yeah, Groden shows up. Yeah, Groden shows up because he's the one's like, "What's wrong with that camel? Is it blind?" And yes, yeah, so it's yeah, blind. yeah. Yeah, and then Groden oh, has to I go and tell the rest there. of the CIA agents they have a blind camel because they're tracking them on like in a. Tari? Oh yeah, when like, they're in the. <laughs> oh my god! This is Wait, so I do like. I wrote this down when. Beatty, when I guess then Dustin's like, did you buy this camel? He's like, I didn't buy him. They sold him to right. me. <laughs> we can gloss over most of the rest of this movie because most well, of the rest see. of this movie is them in a desert wandering around. Well, they get to so, well, it's kind of fun now when Charles and uh, when Groden and Hoffman have to talk all around the camel, under the camel. Yep. Groden keeps saying, point to the camel. Those the camel steps on Groden's foot. Uh, oh, we later is... see his foot bandaged, which I was yes, like, that's an interesting yes, detail. I was going to say, which up. then leads to the bandaged foot. Um, but basically, Groden tells him, you know, you what you're going to do with this blind camel is you're going to go into the desert and there's going to be an oasis and then we'll come get you from there. Um, yes. Here's, that's so, his like. Yeah, that's his thing with Groden is here's a compass. You go southeast or whatever. I don't know why that's and a some, detail. some canteens of water. Yes. Right. And. Isabella Johnny is basically telling um, Warren Beatty, hey, mm -hmm. go into the desert, but you want to find your way back because there's not really an oasis or something. And she's no, like, she's yeah, she says these, you're going to use these beads. Glow yeah. in the dark beads. You're not going to notice it now. But at night, they're going to glow yes. and then you find your way back. Also, P.S., there's no wind in the desert. Well, because he says, how am I going to find the beads? What if the wind blows them away? What if she's like, don't worry, there's no wind yeah. in the desert? You're going to be a-okay. Right. She wraps his head up. She gives him the beads. And so now they both have a mission that they don't tell each other about to go to the desert. But it's the same. They're both on the same mission from two completely different factions. The CIA yes. and a terrorist organization are right. telling them to do the same thing because question mark, map, question mark, Morocco, Shrugging. question Shrugging. mark. Like, Shrugging. Again. And the other thing is... Does Isabella Johnny know that this map is in the jacket? Like, it appears that she didn't. I don't know. Because Yeah, I, I think not. If you had a jacket that had a map stitched in it that you I think I would put see it. on, then took off to give to someone else, at some point you have to know that's there, right? I would think. But I don't I think, think she does. 
because everybody's after this map. She does say that it's her brother. The reason she's kind of involved in all right. of this to begin with is because her brother was killed. Right. And the reason she's dressed as a boy is because she is dressed in her brother's clothing. Yes. And so it's her brother that sewed the map on there. I guess right. he gave her no clues no, about what he did with the map. No, because he even, I don't know, writes a note or something. Because we hear this voiceover like, I put the map somewhere where only you will find it. And I'm like, yes, yes, why, yes. why to any of this? Why? I don't know. Isabella Johnny should be in a separate movie of her from trying to find this map that her brother's giving her. Like, yes. they should have nothing to do with this. Oh, well, you're right. The CIA watches them yes. on this like weird Atari thing. And basically, the, these two are just doing circles <laughs> in the desert. They're not going really right. anywhere. They're just doing circles. Dustin Hoffman passes out at one point. This is this is where, um, at one point, Dustin Hoffman starts to cry. And Warren Beatty goes, don't cry. You're going to yeah. cry? And I complete 100% forgot he was Southern. <laughs> and we Same. are almost done Same. with this movie. Same. And it's like this the one what... word where he could really hammer home that Southern Really go, accent. yep, he did, he did. Yeah. And he, they're sitting on top of the camel and they're crying because they realize that they're going to miss their show. Oh, that was, I did <laughs> find that kind of funny how they're in the desert, almost dying. And Dustin Hoffman's like, oh man, we were going to miss oh, yeah. our show from tonight. <laughs> I didn't think that was kind of funny, but we've been in the desert now for 10 minutes of this movie, and there have been no jokes, no laughs for so long. I feel like... Well, the, the blind camel was the last time we got some hearty chuckles out of well, anybody, right? maybe you did. I know they were, yeah. that's what they were going for. I did not... They also they fight over the girl. I yes, think they fight over the they, girl. The, who who does she like? And right. <laughs> like it. He's like, Beatty goes. She likes the man that's sitting in front of you on the camel. That's who yeah, she likes. And every now and then we flash back to I don't know the CIA, the terror, and, yes, and everybody's just sitting them. around talking about how yes. oh they're gonna die in the desert. Let's just mm -hmm. wait this out. And in what me watching the movie was like. Can we not wait this out? Because yeah, I don't know how just, long it takes to die. Can but they find something? Yeah, yeah. I see how much time is left, and it's still way too much for me. Right? Yeah. And, and they're not trying to write songs in the desert. There's nothing entertaining no. happening here. Yeah. But then they do stumble upon, there's like a bunch of guys and a van and a bunch of camels. And I love it for a minute. They're like, is that a mirage? Yeah. It's not a mirage if we both see it. Um, and it is, I guess what happens in the desert is these these... She even says that, or maybe one of them says it. It's when she's Jordan hanging out it. with the terrorists, how they're like, listen, we're getting all these guns from these dudes, and we're going to be so well-armed that the CIA or whoever has no chance against us. Dustin Hoffman is like, hey, there's a bunch of guys by a truck down there. Why don't you, Warren Beatty, for some reason, go down and talk to them, and I'll just hang out up on this dude? Well, they need water. They need right. water. And his logic is that Warren Beatty has all oh, the... he looks. The, yeah. He looks more. Although Beatty, at some point, did something when he rubbed his face, uh, so he's got blue on Good question. At one point, he takes off his sleeve, and I'm like, where did his face turn blue? When did this happen? He rubs something on his face. At one point, Dustin does tell him, quit rubbing your face. You're getting stuff all over <laughs> Oh, my it. God. Oh, my God. This movie. They, yeah. So they, but they're very thirsty, and that's their problem is they're out of water, and they think that they could maybe get some water. And even Dustin's like, don't talk to them. And Beatty's like, well, how am I supposed to ask them for water? He's like, I don't know. Use gestures. So they send it. Beatty goes off, but right away one of the guys is like, hey, you up there. Because <laughs> they see Are you the Hoffman. auctioneer? Yeah. <laughs> Which then I was like, okay, 
eventually the auctioneer's going to show up, and that's going to be... No, the auctioneer never shows up. Never shows. I'm like, whatever never happened shows. to that guy? Yeah. Yeah. There's a few funny gags here that, again, like I said, I don't think it went as far as it should, because they cannot communicate with the people that are going to buy these guns. Right. They're speaking a dialect that is different than theirs and everything, and but Hoffman's trying to play off right. like he is this auctioneer and that he knows all these different dialects, yes. and they're they're questioning him like, well, then how did you learn English? And had and he does this terrible accent, convincing them of how he left his village and how he's learned English and how he's going to be able to do this auctioneering, yes. and I he does know all the dialects. Good, good call with a confusing accent. I don't know what he's doing. Like, this accent, I was like, is he French? Is that what he's yeah. doing right now? Because that doesn't seem convincing. And he's just shouting things. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Kareem Abdul. Yeah. He literally just... says Kareem Abdul-Jabbar <laughs> at one point, twice in a row. And these guys Shouts that speak it. English don't seem aware no, of any they, of because, this. Because, well, at first, the other guys, uh, the... The guys who are supposed to be buying the weapons yeah. and that the Hoffman is translating to are just as confused because right. he's obviously not speaking the language. But then Beatty, who's pretending to be one of them, is like, ah, oh, Hatsava, yes. He gets them all, yes. like, worked up and yes. stuff somehow. I don't even know how he's doing. Well, and I love it. Even Hoffman is playing along. He's like, well, well, some of them are thinking, yes, this is a good deal. And some of them are thinking, no, why are you doing this? Where are all of the cows? Oh, because they, they make him do some practice translating. Right, yes. Like, tell them all their camels were stolen. So he pretends to tell them all the camels are stolen. These guys don't react. But then um, Warren Beatty, Beatty like, has this fake reaction. Right, yes. Which they all and buy into. It's They all fall for it, yes. And then, again... Hoffman is translating all of them. Some of them are like, where is my camel? I just saw my camel. <laughs> what do you mean? He's like, and others are just just worried about their camels. I do like when he literally does yell Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and a bunch yes. of other gibberish. Most of them are just pointing at their ears and, and yes. like shrugging. Yes. And he goes, they can't believe their ears at these prices. I did think that was pretty funny. Yeah. Well, then, then they do start trading guns. Right. Oh, and Hoffman is also, again, gets paid to do this auctioneer gig. He's getting $200 right. for this, and he's even pocketing some money as mm -hmm. they're selling off some of these weapons. Yes. Um, this comes to an end because um, Gro they're like you said, the CIA is watching them, mm -hmm. and there's been no movement now. So the CIA is hopeful that they've just died in the desert, yes. and now it's time to collect their bodies. Right, yeah, they've finally stopped moving. Because they're involved in some auction. And the CIA is like, I guess they're dead. Let's take a right. helicopter over. And then they just see like a truck and all these people. And the helicopter, everybody scatters and leaves all these weapons on like mm -hmm. a giant tarp that they then put on the camel and yeah, keep going. Yeah, now they got these weapons. Well, they try to flag down the, the helicopter, and I love it, because the helicopter clearly sees them. It's not that far from them. They're waving to it, and the helicopter flies away because it's like, shit, they are alive. we got to get out of here. And Dustin's like, oh, they didn't see us. They didn't see us. This is when they're, they're crawling through the desert. They're both crying. But this is when Warren Beatty sees that the lining of the jacket is a map. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, they're crying because the beads didn't shine, right? Yeah, it's... 
It's not yeah. great. And then the helicopter comes. The helicopter does come back, mm-hmm. and now they're all excited. But now the helicopter, the guy takes out a, a, gun. a, a rifle yeah. to kill them. And even the whole time, Beatty's like, he, I don't know, he's got a gun. I don't think he wants to kill us. Or I think he wants to kill us. And Hoffman's like, no, no, they're just doing that because they want to make sure nobody else is around. And then sure enough, they're... The- they start shooting at there them. There is some funny radio talk here because you see that Charles Grodin appears to be in like a giant studio. I don't know what he's. I don't know oh, where yeah, he is. Yeah. There's blinking lights behind him. I like how he's whispering into the mic, yeah. so the guy behind him doesn't hear what's going on. I'm like, aren't you a high-ranking CIA official? I don't I don't, know. The guy in this recording studio with you. It probably doesn't matter. But the the back and forth is funny because the guy shooting at them starts shooting, and Warren Beatty's running around and. Um, Dustin Hoffman isn't, and the guy radios back, and he's like, one of them's running away, and the other one's just standing there. <laughs> you see that Warren or um, Dustin Hoffman, also the guy shooting at them, and Dustin Hoffman at one point throws his hands up in the air and goes, what's going on here? I, yeah. <laughs> it's like, good, good question. I was asking right, that right. a half hour ago. but I right. was wondering the same thing, yeah. Well, now, then suddenly... A, a, is this when the Jeep comes yeah. coming in? Isabella yes. Johnny shows up in a Jeep driven mm-hmm. by that boy that we saw a half hour who ago in the marketplace. Who claims to be their tour guide, who is like, yes, I know these guys so well. Right. I'm their tour guide. It's like, where did you get this Jeep? That's, where did you, do you have a relationship with this kid and his father you know who owns a rug guys? store? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and as she's handing out um, grenade launchers. Yeah. Like, they had some weapons, but now she's handing out grenade launchers, and they, again... Rocket launchers. They, start, they have yes. all these other guns that they have, so then they're fighting back because, I don't know. Now there's two helicopters for some reason. No. <laughs> God. Yep. Now they're really after them. And then Groden is now Groden's like, you know what? Just forget it. We'll just <laughs> abort the mission. Just forget that we were even doing this. <laughs> I love how easily the CIA gives up because it really is. The guy in the helicopter is like, I don't want to do this anymore. They have a lot of weapons. And Charles Groden so defeated is like, just abort the mission. We're done here. Yeah. I don't Ask him what they want. Ask him their terms. So they get their agent on the phone. I had yeah. no idea how that any of this yeah. happened. Yeah. How? Because then the agent is in Morocco. Next thing I know. Jet lagged for their oh, first performance. He's so yeah. jet lagged. T- okay. So the terms of this deal. Just because this movie doesn't care and has never yes. cared. And even if, if you were paying attention, you'd probably be really mad, but I wasn't paying attention. So something like the terms are social reform. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Social reform, whatever that means. And the CIA, <laughs> the most detailed part of these terms is the CIA has to produce an album of theirs and promote yes. them worldwide. And the CIA agrees to these terms. Yep. It's good. It's good. And the and the tour apparently starts back at the crummy little restaurant. At the Casablanca Inn yeah. or whatever it's called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, they sing songs about Ishtar and Morocco. Oh, there's a whole beautiful. They do. The ending is now we're at the very end. And there is literally like, it's just song after song that it's they so, just sing. There's a Mecca these, song. Mecca, yeah. where are you? And they got the other hands up on their eyes and they're looking back and forth. I did write down one song there because I thought it was great. Yeah. I can't sing 
talking because I don't know the the the, the beat. beat or whatever. But yeah, it yeah. says I can see her standing in the backyard of my mind, cracking her knuckles, and the <laughs> scab that's on her knee won't go away. <laughs> <laughs> these are the type of lyrics that are in these songs, and I was glad that 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 they went back to this at the end of the movie. Me but too. It was Me way... too. I was happy to see this. I was happy to see them performing again, but at the same time, I was the whole time watching it going, what the hell is this movie? Yeah. What is this movie? They, Even with this ending that I was glad to see, I was still And for some confused. reason, they crowd this place with members of the armed forces. <laughs> like, yeah. And everyone has like this shocked look on their face, like this shock and confused look. And when one of their song ends, a guy literally has to yell applaud so that people start clapping. So that they know. Right. Well, and then your Isabella actress is watching. Well, they yeah, sing, let's get to the end of this. They sing a song. They sing that damn accordion musician right. rock band song. Yes. They dedicate it to her. And she starts crying. And she says, I just, I just think that they're beautiful. They're wonderful. She loves them. Loves them. Loves them both, I guess. I would like to think that these tears are genuine because she was very worried about her career choices at this point yes, in, in her yes. career. Like, it was... What have I done? Yeah. So, so, But there is no closure. Like, it's not like she picks one no. over the other. It's not like we find no. out that she's suddenly, you know, going on tour with them. That's mm -hmm. how this movie ends, with them standing in front of that same window, seeing their pictures. Oh, yeah. Instead in of Simon and Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The end. That's it? Uh, the end? Like, the end of this movie. That's the way it ends. Ishtar. Thanks, Laura. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Laura. I mean, it was, it definitely, it was something. It was something. I don't know. Would you recommend somebody, uh, would you recommend it to listeners? No. To okay, here's the thing. This yeah. movie, this movie for, for a time was just like, the punchline of every joke, like what's the worst movie ever made? Ishtar, blah, blah, blah. Like I remember hearing yeah. that even when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, like hearing that and mm -hmm. being like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what this movie's all about. Then recently I've heard people being like, listen, it's not as bad as it was at the time. Like it's, mm -hmm. and I feel like it's almost gone full circle where I was like, this is as bad as people thought it was. <laughs> like I understand why people saw this and was like, that's the worst thing I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Like I kind of all the stuff that it does right or all the stuff that I was interested in disappears. It's not enough. A, it's not enough. A quarter yeah. of the way through the movie. Yeah. And then it becomes an action movie that's terrible. And everyone is playing roles that they should have never played. It's And it might have been worse cuz they are such like respected actors yeah. or such maybe that's part of it. I have to tell you uh my husband watched this one with me and he was he said this has got to be one of the worst movies you guys have ever watched for your podcast that might be the only time you've ever referenced what your husband thought in this podcast yeah. and i agree with him for the first time ever i think i was so worried yeah. that story was not going to end the way that it did yeah this is so it's so bad and 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 I think most of the problem at the time was these are huge actors, top yeah. of their game, and they spent a ton of money. I mean, fifty yeah. fifty million dollars well, now gets you like yikes. one action sequence in a Marvel movie, but at the time, mm. like that was a ton of money, mm -hmm. and nobody went to see it. Critics hated this. It's just such a misfire. A misfire. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, so I guess 
Thanks, Laura, but yeah, thanks, Laura. Try, I again, mean, try I, again next time. <laughs> listen, we're, we're a podcast that will watch any movie, good or bad, or good, yeah. bad. And with a reputation like this one had, it was very good that we yes. included it in our um, in our repertoire. Right. I, I um, feel like this is something it, that we had to cover at some point, so yes. we would have gotten to it eventually. Which and for all our bad remarks, it was watchable. Enjoyable, maybe not as much, but watchable. You long pause. Doug's long pausing and staring up at the ceiling. I keep thinking of those desert sequences, and that was was really. But I did watch this in one sitting, which is more than I can say for some of the movies we watched. Right, exactly. So there's that. What's your recommendation? You said you had another Ellen May or Elaine May. Elaine May, uh, in 1971, she directed, she wrote, directed, and starred in uh, a movie called A New Leaf. Now, she's kind of second build. Um, It stars Walter Matthau, who is like a a selfish rich kid who basically Mm -hmm. inherited all of his money. And he Mm -hmm. finds out that somehow he spent all of his inheritance. Like, he has no money left. And he has no skills or anything like he can't work or get a job and certainly doesn't want to do that. So Mm -hmm. his idea is to use his high society status to basically marry someone who is equally wealthy and then kill that person and then inherit there. Also, it sounds dark. This is a G rated movie. Oh, and okay. Elaine May is the woman who he wants to marry and you know who he pursues and it's a it's a movie that's really good and is light and Mm -hmm. is funny for as dark and and troubling as the you know as it seems like it could be and also the thing that i like about this is walter Matthau comes across basically for almost the entire movie as a really really horrible person you really don't like him and it is a genuine turn at the end for him where at the end of this you're like okay he's not that bad like it's so tough to do in movies like this where it's yeah, like yeah. it's a horrible person doing things for horrible reasons, and at the end you're like, "Oh, now they're good." Oh, I, I don't still buy can't. it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's just because Walter Matthau's kind of charming, but at the end of this, I was you do say, buy it. Walter yeah. Matthau can just kind of. So okay, yeah, a new like leaf. If, if this really soured leaf. anyone to Elaine May, and maybe they're not a big fan of the Birdcage, which I'm not either. Um, <laughs> uh, watch that. It's it's really great and it's fun. Turn over a new leaf. With Turn her. over a new. leaf. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? The Coen Brothers movie Inside Lewin Davis, which is about oh, wow. a folk singer. And yeah. The, so if you combine them, <laughs> then maybe you would have a, a better version of Ishtar. Yeah. Actually, it shouldn't be Ishtar because if you kept them, like we said in the beginning, yeah. if you kept them out of Morocco, if you just kept them struggling to find their career in yeah. as singer-songwriters, I think it would have been a a much more enjoyable film. Yes. Funny and charming. Exactly. And even their characters, I would have been, I would have appreciated it all a lot more. You know but, what this, not that this movie reminded me of this, but a an actor who is pretty much a, a pretty well-respected actor. When Jeff Daniels was in Dumb mm. and Dumber, like mm-hmm. that, that was so great because he looked ridiculous. He yes. played it to such a crazy degree that yeah. you kind of bought it and you forgot, like, this is a good actor just being right. an idiot. Like, that's what these two should have done. Like, they didn't, yeah, they didn't do it enough. Yeah. Yes, they should have I taken agree. it to like a dumb and dumber level. And yeah. I would have been 
probably more on board than I was. More and more entertained. Yes, yeah. I totally agree. Yep. All right. So uh, before we get to our next movie, um, everybody, uh, if you would like to recommend a movie for us, please go to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash movies. And if you uh, sign up for $5, you get all bonus episodes, of course. Everything we've done, all the whole bonus back catalog, it's all there. Whole but if you it. go yeah. for the $15 level, you get to do what Laura did, which in a strange way is almost torture us, by making us <laughs> watch a movie of your choosing every single year. So uh, consider it. And if you're at the $5 level, you can bump up. That's great. And I'll just really love that. Yeah. And I reach out and I just assign you a month. And I'm like, I don't know, tell us what you want. And we'll do it, it at one point during that month. <clears throat> but now Laura doesn't get to tell us what to do. But... <clears throat> My co-host has a birthday coming up, Jamie. I do. You I do. get to choose your birthday film. You already texted me, and without giving away your choice, you kind of put the choice on me, and I don't know if I made the uh, right choice or you decided to ignore what I said. Well, you, yeah, you confuse me even more. So my, my choices are usually reflective of, for the most part, movies that were somehow impacted me in as a child right. growing up in the 80s which so and wait a minute so my I, response to when you said <laughs> should i do something animated or not my response confused you yes it did <laughs> well i just i didn't i think the california were, raisins confused me because i really did not know the last time we did an animated movie right so that's when i was like was it all dogs go to heaven and then i couldn't remember was that your last choice or was that before it was no, before no i think Natty it was Gan. It was the year before Natty Gann, right? Yes, okay. that was, yes, yes. And I feel like last year was, was last year Natty Gann or was last year my John Candy movie? My, um, who framed, who, who. Who's Harry Crumb? Who's well, Harry who's Crumb? Who's Harry Crumb? That's a movie for patrons because you always get to choose oh, the April sh- 1st movie. That's how <laughs> I got that choice Do we in. not want people to okay. know that we do? Guys, that's a secret between us and patrons. <laughs> I knew that was one that I picked. I couldn't remember if that was a birthday choice, but you're right. That was our yeah. April. You got to start uh, thinking Night about. You got to start thinking about our April one that you want to do I this will. year. Okay. I will. It's great because I again. So I come up with this list, and I'm like, well, where, which, yeah. where do I pick? Do I pick something? And then of course I had ones on there that are from the '80s that I haven't seen, and I thought, well, do I put that on there? What do I do? Do I pick them out of a hat? So I went for something that I remember watching as a kid. I remember enjoying as a kid. And I think it's probably going to be really fucked up to watch now. Great. The 1980 movie, musical, I think, Popeye with Robin Williams. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Loved it as a kid. Really had a lot of fun with it. I remember not liking that as a kid and being very upset by it like, like I think it's very disturbing he's got weird film. arms <laughs> I think I think it's and Shelley Duvall's in it I think it's going to be really um, a trip for us to watch and that's one of the reasons why I was like it's got to be I watched a previews for a bunch of the ones that were on my yeah maybe list and I was like oh this looks like it's going to be crazy I'm sure so, yeah. it will be and is that going to be our and, first Robin Williams he gets. I think it, I think it is. It yeah. Be. I mean, Wait, I was... ironically, that's his first film. What? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. How did I not know that? It seems like. Oh, well, now you do. That should be in like... Jeopardy or something. 
Seems like I, know, I should I have seen it, it at some point. Wow. Okay, that's surprising. But I am looking forward to the madness and the. I feel like this is going to upset me. I feel like just watching this, like, <laughs> like not like anger me, but like creep Disturb me you. out. Like, yeah, I, think so. I remember I as think a kid so. watching this and like my parents showing it to me and just being like, "Yeah, this is Popeye," you know, the cartoon, and just watching these monsters like like <laughs> how do we translate cartoon characters into humans i remember it being very upsetting so i'm looking yeah. forward to it great <laughs> yeah it won't be the comfortable you know the the warm hug that was natty gan this is no, gonna i feel like spiders are crawling yeah. all over me the whole time <laughs> so that will be our next episode in two weeks we will talk about popeyes so until then, everybody, have a great day. And take good care. Telling the truth can be dangerous business. Honest and popular don't go hand in hand. If you admit that you can play the accordion, no one will hire you in a rock and roll band. But we can I was sitting there going, well, there's a good chance this movie is not as bad as people mm -hmm, thought it was. Mm -hmm. And quickly I was proven wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs>